Good morning, Amokyo family. Allow me to wish you a blessed Lunar New Year to you. And which is most important for this year, right? Um, for this coming uh, sermon series, we are going to continue with 1 Corinthians. And today we are going to focus on chapter 5. And I'm sure if you've been around in church long enough, uh, you have heard of some stories, of unpleasant stories, in fact, of church politics or inappropriate action or behavior by pastors, staff, and leaders of the church. So when I was on a honeymoon, uh, my wife and I met a couple in Bali, one of the islands of Bali, and we struck a conversation with them. Uh, the man's German and the lady is French, but both of them are working in Switzerland. During our conversation, uh, we found out that this man is a Roman Catholic, but refuses to go to church. He told us honestly that this refusal is because of the scandals that surrounds the Catholic Church. Well, here I do not mean to disrespect the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic faith, the Roman Catholic Church. I'm just highlighting his opinions and the action of this uh, German guy. And I too have my fair share of knowing and hearing of unpleasant stories of church leaders who have gone astray. The latest scandal that is in the news is about Ravi Zacharias, who is a renowned Christian apologist who has abused massage therapies at day spas, which he owned in Atlanta, for more than a decade. Well, if you wish to know more, you can read up uh, the article by Christianity Today. Uh, personally, I've come across uh, respectable church leaders uh, who were asked to leave because of inappropriate behavior. And these incidents have definitely hurt me in one way or another. Well, I thank God for giving me His assurance that he is always in control, no matter how complicated and unpleasant the church is. Well, these scandals and unpleasant stories were also present since the Corinthian time. Let me read to you a portion of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Starting from verse 1, it is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and of a kind that even pagans do not tolerate. A man is sleeping with his father's wife and you are proud. Shouldn't you rather have gone into mourning and have put out of your fellowship the man who has been doing this? Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast so that you may be a new unleavened bread as you really are. For Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread with sincerity and truth. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. In, the, in that case, you will have to leave this world. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Do not even eat with such people. What business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not to judge those inside? God will judge those outside. Expel the wicked 
person from among you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's quite distracting and disturbing even to be reading and hearing about sexual, sexual immorality on a Sunday morning, uh, especially in the area of incense. This text even tells us that pagans who are non-Christian uh, during Paul's time do not even tolerate such an act. Even to today, we too do not tolerate such an action. Well, this man who is a believer in the Corinthian church is living in sin with his stepmother, in some translation, father's wife. Maybe his father has died or left the family. Whichever the case, this act of having a sexual relationship with his stepmother is immoral and wrong. Well, the Corinthian church were not only guilty of allowing such a scandal or sexual immorality to continue in church, but they were also guilty of being boastful and proud. Well, the scandal was only a symptom of the root problem, and the root problem was their pride. The issue of sexual immorality will be picked up in chapter 7 by Pastor Anthony, but today we want to explore this aspect of pride in particular, spiritual pride. Now, we will look at spiritual pride and we will also look at spiritual holiness and thirdly, we will look at spiritual humility. Now, if you have your Bible, be it electronic or physical, can I ask that you turn to chapter 5 in 1 Corinthians and read the header for yourself. Now, depending on the version of your Bible, there might be different headers. For example, in the New Living Translation, NLT, it says Paul condemns spiritual pride. Now, in the English Standard Version, ESV, it says sexual immorality defiles the church. And the New International Version says condemnation of incest within the church. Now, first of all, these headers are not in the original text. And Bible scholars put these headers in to help guide you and me. Now, second, these headers are not these headers are the Bible scholars' interpretation of the text. And third, it is not a summary of the passage. We need to read the text for itself and not just read the headers. Well, if you want to know more about the difference uh, and reasons for the different Bible translation, can I ask that you take a copy of our Methodist message? Uh, this is the February edition. Our Bishop, Bishop Dr. Gordon Wong um, titles his article, why do Bible translations differ? Uh, this article can be found on page 27 and you can read more about it on this topic on the difference in Bible translation. So back to what Paul is saying and accusing the Corinthians, he's actually accusing them of being proud and that is found in verse 2. Now what exactly are they proud of? Well, Paul is accusing them of being proud of spiritual tolerance. Well, this, the church tolerated the man's action of living in a sexual relationship with his stepmother. Well, it also suggests that this man could be of high social status. Hence, the church is not doing anything about it. Well, here Paul is not talking about religious tolerance for church unity. Right? We give in and we accept one another and things like that for the sake of Christian church unity. But here he is condemning the Corinthian church for tolerating such an immoral action. Also, the church is boasting that they are tolerating such an action. 
But I'm sure you heard of this thing, pride goes before a fall and pride comes before the fall. This phrase is used to warn if a person is too arrogant, he or she might will make a mistake or fail in a big way. The Bible says it a bit more severely in Proverbs 16, 18. Pride, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. You know, the Bible clearly shows that our God hates pride. And we know in various verses in the Bible too that He hates pride. Let me read two verses for us to meditate upon. Proverbs 21 verse 4 says that haughty eyes and a proud heart, the the lamb of the wicked are seen. And in James and 1 Peter, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So let us be careful then and be on our guard for pride in our lives. I'll pick this up uh, on this issue of pride later in my sermon. And now we jump back to the Corinthians. Uh, but before we can point fingers at them for not doing anything about it and being prideful, maybe we can take a few seconds to stop and use a mirror to reflect this idea of pride into our own lives. Are we like the Corinthian church? Well, do we have any pride that has covered our eyes? One quick question to ask ourselves is, if the Apostle Paul is going to hear a report about Amokyo Methodist Church or your cell group or even about your own individual spiritual life, what kind of report will it be? And what will you do about this report? So we move on and we see that Paul continues to criticize the church, that your boasting is not good. He uses this analogy of ease, that, which is from his Jewish background, right, to illustrate a point about sin. He says, sin is like a little yeast that spread through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. Well, with COVID, we're all familiar with a small virus being able to affect the whole body, even causing death. Now, sin has the same effect as COVID. And if you take COVID seriously, we should take sin even more seriously. Well, just like COVID, right? It might enter into our, our body knowingly or unknowingly uh, by us. Uh, or even in a small way, maybe a small sneeze or um, a small cough and it can spread like wildfire. Just like sin then in our lives, it can be passed, it can, be, it can affect us in a small manner that we might think is, is just a small thing. Uh, but it can affect us and it can affect our whole lives uh, and our whole body. So we should not compartmentalize our life to um, daily lives that is different from church life. Likewise, our, our sinful life from our holy life. There is no such thing. Sin will affect our whole entire being, our whole life. And here, I believe no one will admit that we are fully good or perfect. Only our Lord Jesus is fully good and perfect. We are imperfect people. But many times, we think that we are good. 
right? Except we are not. That's the truth, right? So when I was in university, I came across this model that is used to highlight an individual's perception of others. It's called the Johari window model. And here's how the model looks like. So an example is, I'm an introvert, right? So in the top left corner, is known to self, which is myself, and known to others. People around me know I'm an introvert. In the bottom left, is known to self and not known to others. And an example is, for me is, I can't sing. So if I don't sing, you won't know. But I know that I can't sing, right? Now, not known to self and known to others, that's where feedback is needed. And not known to self and not known to others is the unknown area. So my point is, sometimes sin can hide in our blind spots. And yes, I know that sin can also be in the open space or in the hidden area where we know where sin is in our own lives. And therefore, we need to work on it. But it is in those areas where it's our blind spot where we need to allow people around us to speak truth into our lives. It might be our spouse, children, cell group members or cell leaders, someone you can uh, be comfortable and be accountable to, to speak truth into our, into our lives. We also must humble ourselves and allow God to use people to speak into our lives. So how about the unknown area? Well, as believers, we need the Word of God and the Holy Spirit to reveal the sin in our lives. So when we come before God during worship service or in our quiet time with the Lord, let us come with a posture of seeking God with an open heart and allow Him to examine our lives. The Holy Spirit will reveal and point to us an area of our lives where we need to change or surrender to Him. Maybe it's some unforgiveness of words that have been said to us. So we need to allow the Holy Spirit to reveal that yeast that is in our lives. So as we continue to examine ourselves, our spiritual pride, and strive towards spiritual holiness, Paul continues to add on um, to say to the Korean church regarding their actions and behaviors. In verse 11, he says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or slanderer, a drunkard or swindler. Paul reminds us here that we should not elevate sexual sins to a level of severity higher than the others and overlook the non-essential sins as somehow more trivial. Right, from Paul's point of view, sexual immorality, greediness for power or money, idolatry to put our hobbies before God, for example, slandering others for our own benefit, being drunk and cheating people are all the same. They are all sin. These actions are sinful. Now Paul remind, reminded the church not to judge also those who are outside the church, but to judge those on the inside. So before we start pointing fingers and judging others, maybe we can judge ourselves first. And here I'm reminded of what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 5. You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we really need to be careful not to be quick to judge, but judge others, but be quick to judge ourselves. 
where our spiritual pride and attitude will, in one way or another, affect our actions. Um, so I want to bring our attention to Luke 18, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. Allow me to read to you the passage in verse 9. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now let me repeat to you what the Pharisee said to himself and, and the prayer that he said. He said, God, I thank you I am not like the other people. Right? I thank you I am not like the other people. Well, have we, if you ask ourselves honestly, have we said that to ourselves too? Have we placed, have we become like the Pharisees? And in our hearts, we have placed ourselves to be better than others. Now, the story goes that a man met his friend and his friend was angry at him for being late, maybe perhaps. Um, and he, the, the friend was shouting and screaming at the man. The man kept nodding his head, you know, folded his arms and just remained silent. Well, he told himself, the man told himself, I'm better than my friend. You know, thank God I'm not like him. I will not lose my cool. I will not respond back with anger. Now, shortly after the incident, the friend reflected on his actions. He repented to God and seek forgiveness from the man. This man, however, carried on with the mindset that he was better than his friend. Well, this friend, in his anger, might have fallen into a 10 meters hole, but the man actually has fallen into a 100 meters hole called spiritual pride. Another illustration of spiritual pride is like an onion. Well, we need to continually continually peel the layers upon layers of the onion to remove the spiritual pride that is overshadowing our lives. Now, maybe in our lifetime, we will never be able to peel away all the layers of spiritual pride. But today, can I ask that you peel at least one layer away, which is the layer of judging others and thinking that you are better uh, than other people. And let us then put on the attitude and posture of the tax collector, well, which is to beat our breasts and say, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. So let us humble ourselves before our God and allow Him to peel off these layers of superiority, um, superiority and pride away. Again, as a pastor, I've heard of people not growing in their spiritual walk. Sometimes they say they are stagnant and they end up uh, walking away from their faith. Well, there could be many reasons why these people felt that way and why they eventually walk away. But if I were to see it from a spiritual pride angle, angle these people might not be growing spiritually. 
And maybe it's because their cup, right, their spiritual cup, is already full. And when you have a full cup, how can God fill it, fill it with more of Himself? Now, when we think we know it all, how can God teach us? When we think we are better than others, how can God use others to teach us? Right, in his blog, John Maxwell states that pride is a big problem for any leader. Pride leads to blaming others. Pride leads to close-mindedness. Minded, and pride leads to a broken relationship. Well, and of all the problems that pride causes, John Maxwell states that the greatest is that it prohibits us from learning. You know, Maxwell ends with this phrase, learning involves humility. Humanity is filled with mistakes. Humility allows us to learn from them. So let us then humble ourselves right, and empty this cup so that God can fill it. If we are proud, we have the pride, our cup will always be full. And of course, the greatest example is Jesus himself. The man who has came down, has humbled himself. He has came down from heaven to earth to be a competent son, to be spat at, to be humiliated, to be whipped, tortured, and finally crucified to death. He is our greatest example of humility. And let us look to Him for our source of strength to be humble. So as I wrap up the message and the sermon, can I just ask that you maybe reflect and think about um, any pride issues in your life that you can maybe lay aside. Maybe it's, some, it's a relationship that you need to reconcile with someone, a family, friend, a colleague at work, um, somebody in your life that, that is close to you. But also, I do not know what other pride issues we all have in our, in our lives. All I can ask you to do is to lay it down and allow God to peel off that layer in your life and that your cup will be emptied so that God can fill it up. So may we all come before God and cry out to Him, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And to sum up my message for today, in order for us to overcome spiritual pride, we need holiness and humility. H and H, if you can remember it better for you, holiness and humility. Let us pray. Almighty God, as we come before you, we thank you for this opportunity that we can remove this layer upon layers of spiritual pride that has covered our eyes, Lord, our spiritual eyes. Help us, Lord, to remove them layer by layer. May your holiness and may you grant us humility to, to remove this layer of spiritual pride in our lives. So Lord, as we come before you, this morning, may you work your spirit in us, Lord. May you convict us to be humble. May we be like the tax collector to beat our chest and say that we are a sinner and have mercy on us, Lord. So may we come before you in humility and in humbleness, Lord, to seek your face. And may you help us to remove the spiritual pride in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.